<clears throat> so yeah, let's we, we are moving on with the whoops with the EHS and we are into week six now. So we are drawing towards the end of, of this of this course that we've been doing. Um, but I I just want to quickly remind you guys of how so today we're going to be covering Discover the Rhythms of the Daily Office and Sabbath. Okay, we're going to talk a lot more about that. So you remember we, we showed you this diagram right near the beginning that the EHS course is really a two-pronged approach. There's the, the part about really us needing to um, come to grips with our emotional health and if there are if, there's, if there are unhealthy patterns in our lives, then those are the things that we need to work on. And one of the ways that these were exposed was in the very first week when we looked at emotionally unhealthy spiritual markers. You guys can remember that. You might need to go back and re re recap. So a lot of the things that we've been doing so far um, in really digging beneath the iceberg, in starting to look at our own patterns, in, in looking at how we need to go back to be able to go forward and grow, in looking at our walls, in, in, in really just realizing how important it is to grieve in a healthy way losses that we've had, not trying to run away from our emotions and our feelings, especially the hard ones. That is a lot of what we've been covered, which has been addressing the emotional health but all of you have, um, should have the daily office. And that's something that you should have been going along with as we've been co covering these earlier elements in it. Um, because we know that to be able to become um, spiritually mature, we must become emotionally mature as well. You can't separate those out. We've got Angie here, who's a psychologist, and I know she would fully agree with that. Um, so I think that what we're focusing on today in really looking at the, the daily office and the Sabbath is the second prong, um, which is the contemplative spirituality. That is really the slowing down that needs to happen, the stillness and the silence that we need to incorporate into our lives in a very real way. And it's not just about being in a space of being still and silent, but, but it's the stillness that you, that you um, start nurturing inwardly. All right. We all know that we can sit still, but we can have 10,000 things going on in our heads at the same time. So the contemplative spirituality is really us, us training ourselves to become still, to become silent, and using the scriptures on a daily basis as a rhythm in our lives. Um, you know, all of us know we are we swimming in this tumultuous ocean of crazy busyness. I think all of us feel like somehow the world is speeding up. It's not slowing down. Um, funny, hey? COVID slowed everything down, but did it really? Um, maybe we feel like we're playing catch-up. But we need an anchor. We need an anchor in this ocean that, that really helps us from being just swept away by this stormy, stormy sea that we are in. And these two things that we're going to look at today, the daily office and the weekly Sabbath, they help us to remain anchored. 
and it's being anchored in Christ. It's a sure anchor that we have. And they really teach us to stop and to surrender to God in trust. And we need that, I feel, more than ever. You know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know, you know, the world is crazy right now. You know, I think many people are thinking, World War III, is it going to happen? Um, we don't know. So the first thing I want to tackle is the, the, the rhythm of the daily office. Okay, this aspect. And all of us know one of the things that we learn as becoming disciples of Jesus is the importance of daily quiet times. Can you guys all remember how that was kind of drilled into you? Daily quiet time is absolutely essential for you to grow in your walk with Christ. And that is true. Okay, not taking away from the importance of a daily quiet time. I know for myself, for, for years, um, you know, quiet times had been a part of my life before I even came to this church. Many of us, I think, can relate to that. So you, you have this discipline of having daily quiet times. But often what would happen is, you know, my daily quiet time would be my time when I felt like I needed to get into God's word, I needed to learn, I needed to pray, and then it needed to set me up for my day. But often I would go into my day and I would even forget what I had learnt in the morning. It's just like you get swept into your day and you forget about it. Um, and definitely I think my, my hope and desire was that this would help me to grow and help me to become rooted in my walk with Christ. Um, and I think it did. I don't think it didn't have any part. But the other aspects that I think was missing from my life. And I do know that in, in having, having spoken to many, many Christians, even having daily quiet times is a challenge. Many people struggle with that. I think a lot of people feel guilty because they know that they're not having these quiet times. Maybe they just feel really dry spiritually. Um, but I think we, we have to realize that, yes, our lives are busy. That is no doubt. The world is a busy place. And there are constant demands on us. And I think some of us feel like it's 24-7 demands. They just never let up. And we end up feeling harassed. We feel helpless. We feel weary and worn out. Sometimes we feel confused. And the crazy world we live in can make us feel that way. Even if you are spiritually mature, I know I would consider myself spiritually mature. I've been a disciple for over 30 years. Um, I've put on deep, deep roots. But I can sometimes feel harassed, helpless, confused. Uh, I'm struggling. And I want us to just see, you know, what, did, what was Jesus' attitude about it? Because I don't want us to feel guilted out about us feeling this way. But how did Jesus feel? You know, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I think sometimes we do. We, we take our eyes off the shepherd. We lose our perspective. And then we do end up feeling this way. And the demands and, on our lives and everything that's gone with COVID and you know, the catch-up that we feel like we, we, we're playing can really um, get to us. 
you don't see Jesus saying to people, you guys, you know what? You need to just go and, go and read the Tanakh. You know, that's the Old Testament. Go and dig in and read it and pray until you feel better. What did Jesus say? Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Jesus is the solution. Every single spiritual tool that we have at our disposal is meant to usher us into this rest that Jesus has for us. It's nurturing, it's healing. That's where we find this anchor that I'm talking about for our souls, when we have an intimate walk with him. But how do you nurture this in a consistent way? You know, I can see how over the years, um, God has, has changed the way that I do my quiet times. I don't do them the way that I used to do them. Um, he's helped me through different tools that he's given me. I think even in hindsight, looking at the walls that I had in my life, we've talked about them, looking at some of the incredible losses and how I had to grieve those, those were all ways that God used to draw me deeper into being anchored with him. And um, I think many of you can relate to that, especially those of you who have been disciples for many, many years. And it really was more recently that we were introduced to the EHS, which is another tool that God wants to use for us to simply come to Jesus. It's not another task. We don't want, to want you guys to see this as another something that I need to add to my list of already busy, scheduled things that I have. This is for you to have life in Jesus. Um, and the daily office is actually a very unique tool. Um, you know, in the beginning when I, heard, when I first heard about it, and I do know that people who come from other backgrounds, like especially Catholicism, maybe Anglicans, the daily office is an ancient tool that has been used through the centuries, okay, especially by the monastic folk. But more and more it's become something that we realize there's such benefits that we can have to using it. Because the difference is that the daily office is, is designed to, again, bring you into that rest with Jesus, with just being with him. Not with an agenda of, oh, but I have to learn something new and I've got to have something to take into my day. That's not what it's for. Okay, and, and I can just see how as I started using it, um, you know, I'd never heard about it before, I really started enjoying enjoying it. Um, I started really loving the um, kind of like the simplicity of it. Those of you who are using it, I think you can you, you can relate to this. The two minutes of silence before, you know, even even this morning as I as I sat down and I was just sitting on my couch. The moment I go into that space of silence, it's like something happens in me. 
my soul starts quietening down. But it's because I've been doing it for a long time now and my, my body knows how to respond to the space that I'm going into and this peace like washes over me before I've even looked at a scripture, which is, is I think, quite amazing and really, really powerful. Um, so again, you know, it's, it's, it's just really learning to, um, to, to come into that space of being with God. Remember, that was one of our main points up front, is that we need to be with God before we do for God. That is how we are designed. designed. God has things he wants us to do, but first and foremost, he wants us to be with him. Think of the Garden of Eden. God wanted to walk with them. You know, we're into the sixth week now of this course. And I just want you guys to think about, has, has your walk deepened with God in these six weeks? Do you feel like you've become a more loving person? Because remember, that's the point about the contemplative and the emotional health, is it affects your relationship with teacher. It helps you to love God more. It helps you to love yourself more. And it helps you to love others more. We should be transforming as we do this. But it's only as we address both of these aspects, our emotional health and our spiritual contemplative um, health of being with God, that we are going to be transformed, you know. Um, and I want to really encourage you guys, don't sell yourself short by not spending this time, by thinking that you can just do the EHS course and you're not doing the daily office. You're not having that regular um, rhythm of being with God. And I'm going to dig a little bit more into that. Okay. I, I must confess, I struggled with the evening one for, uh, for a long time because I think I was so used to my morning quiet time that for me that I would skip it and then I would do both in the morning. But the more I um, train myself and more the, the more I just set aside that time, I found that I was able to, to really um, to get to it much more regularly, which is great. So, you know, the daily office, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who haven't been digging into it, um, it's created, it's designed to create a rhythm for twice a day, five days in the week. So morning and afternoon or morning and evening or whatever you can do. Susakona, there's a, there's a seat here, sis. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, and, and I think I want to encourage you, if you have not started the daily office, don't think it's too late. This is something I will go back to again. I will do the daily office again. Um, because it's just such a wonderful, wonderful tool. The prayers helped me to express myself to God. Obviously, I loved the way it, it went along with the course, that what I was covering in the week, I would be covering during the week in the daily office. So it complemented it, it well and reinforced things. But if you haven't started, it doesn't mean you can't. Practically, though, I know that... Um, some of you are finding it difficult to get time for it. 
So the, the, the main thing is that you need to carve out that time. It's not a lot of time, but you need to carve it out to be able to benefit from it. If you are married and you have young kids, you might find you have to help each other as, as spouses. Um, but make a plan. Get it to work. That is our responsibility. Our responsibility is to carve out that time to be, to enter into that rest. Um, now, when I finished the, the day by day, I was like, oh, I really didn't want it to end. It's 40 days, but it ends. And so I was looking for something else, and I'd been sharing with Jess about the, the EHS, and she actually sent me the link for the Lectio 365, which is very, it's similar but different. Um, it's an app that you download on your phone. It's, it's a 24-7 prayer lifestyle. You can see there, that's what it says. It goes through, um, it's, it's got a structure to it for the day. It's round about 10 minutes in the morning, and it's shorter in the evening. Eight minutes, six minutes, eight minutes. And that is what I do now. Every morning, first thing, Neil can attest to this, I sit there on the couch, my headphones are in, my eyes are closed, and I'm listening. I like to listen. Sometimes I will use the phone as well because it does come up, the scriptures and everything. Psalms is really key to um, us being able to express ourselves because I must just let you guys know that the, the aim as well behind the, the daily office and these things is that we learn to pray scripture to God to pray the Psalms, to pray our scriptures. So it's not only God speaking to us, but we using the word to connect with God and to pray to him. And that is what the Lectio 365 does beautifully. Um, and it follows things. So for Lent, it had the specific program that it followed, which was really, really awesome. Um, but it's, it's really great. And I didn't know this, but I just came across this Lectio for Families. If any of you are families and you want to have something that you can do together as a family, that maybe is something that you guys can do. Okay, so I think that's quite a, a beautiful thing as well. I probably will download it and have a listen to it. I know there are many other resources. And if you find something great, let's share it with each other. Um, but the main thing is you need to find what works for you and you need to develop this as a rhythm in your life. So often we start something and then we stop it. You know, I love the, um, man, the, the 40 days of prayer. And I had these great goals of continuing to fall on my knees every morning. Do you think I'm still falling on my knees every morning? No. Getting out of bed, rolling off my bed onto my knees. Wasn't that an awesome thing for us to do? I actually lay in bed the other morning and I thought about it and I thought, oh, I should roll out of bed onto my knees, but I didn't. I was too comfortable. But it, that's what we like as humans. We struggle to create these consistent, rhythm, consistent rhythms because we like our comfort. You know, my bed is so comfy. But this is doable for me. I should probably roll into my knees and listen to it on my knees. It's only 10 minutes. Okay. Now, sometimes we can think, ah, oh, 
But do I really need that kind of structure in my life? Isn't it legalistic? You know, aren't I just supposed to connect with the Spirit in this ongoing way? Um, no, it's not legalistic. Okay. We need this in our lives because otherwise we just get swept away by everything that is going to sweep us away in life. Let's look at David's heart. David said, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That is what we're doing in this daily office or whatever it is you're using. You are gazing on the beauty of the Lord. You are seeking his face. You are desiring just to be with him, just to enjoy him, just to delight in him because he delights in you. That's what it's about, okay? Having fixed times of prayer is nothing new, guys. Nothing new. Daniel, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. This was in a time of crisis, we know, but this was Daniel, because he came from a, a Jewish background, and this was something that was inbuilt in their culture, this going to God three times a day. Leila, how often do the, do the Muslims pray? Five times a day. Okay, other certain cult, re, religious groups, they still do this. It's part of who they are. Okay, let me just not get to that right now. I'm losing my, my pages. <laughs> so, so you, as I said, devout Jews, they had this regular rhythm of prayer time. Jesus himself, we know that he got up, we see clearly he got up early in the morning and he went out to pray, to be with God. But most scholars believe that because Jesus was Jewish, he would have held to the times of prayer that um, the Jews held to during the day as well. Now, I want to speak a little bit about Cornelius. Cornelius was, was a Gentile. We know that. He was a Roman centurion. And um, he was not Jewish. Yet, it says here, he and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So here is a Gentile who I believe had taken on the Jewish practice of praying at these set times. And if you go and read the account of when the angel appeared to Cornelius and told him about the fact that he needed to go and find this guy, Peter, and tell him to come with a message, it was at 3 p.m. That was one of the times of prayer of the Jewish people. Um, in Acts, you'll see where um, Peter and them, they go to the temple at three because that was a time of prayer. And it's in this, at this time that the angel appears to Cornelius. He was in prayer at 3 p.m., you know. Um, and I just thought, wow, don't all of us long to have the kind of encounter with God that Cornelius had with God where he had this vision 
of an angel um, that came through this regular time of prayer. Not that he was looking for that, but that is what happened. I believe that these rhythms, that if we are able to get this rhythm into our daily life, of the daily office where we are connecting with God, that is what is going to help us to be able to remain in the vine. You know, Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But we need to develop this rhythm. And if you're able to, I really want to encourage you to take it up a notch, more than twice a day, just pausing. Pausing. Try to make it three or four times a, times a day, just for a few minutes, to become still with God. It doesn't need to be more than one minute. If you're taking a bathroom break, Take your Bible with you and sit on the loo and just read. Just center down. Center down for a minute in quietness and read a psalm. You will not believe what that will do for you in your day. And remember, it's about being with God. It's not a, a tick list of, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. But hey, I'm thinking of putting an alarm on my phone or something on my phone. I know Marissa has alarms for prayers. She prays for lots of people and when you're with her, you'll sometimes hear her phone going off and she'll be like, oh, I'm <laughs> it's about praying for this or that, which is awesome. We need those reminders. Okay. Quickly, what I want to cover now is looking at the four elements of the daily office. I know that we have seasons in our lives. God, uh, God understands that. Okay, that, like for me now, my season is I can spend much time with God. I can have two hour long quiet times if I want to. Three hour long, okay? I don't have any small kids who are having demands on me. I don't have a formal job that I'm going to. But it doesn't matter whether you are working full time or not. You need to build this into the season that you are in. And these elements of the daily office are really, really helpful. The first thing you've got to do is stop. You have to stop. You've got to stop any other activity that you're doing. You've got to lay it aside so that you can go and gaze on the beauty of God. Okay, that's the first thing. If you don't stop... You ain't going to gaze on the beauty of God, okay? You're not going to experience that rest. Secondly, you need to center. Okay, and and that, that, that time of just sitting down for me, as I'm going into that space of quietening down, it, it becomes something that almost just centers you on, on God, on, on this time that you're going to have with him. And often this is the, the hardest part, because our minds race. Um, I don't know if you remember in the EHS they speak about just having something that you say, whether it's, for me it's Abba Father, Jesus my King, Holy Spirit my friend. Abba Father, Jesus my King, Holy Spirit my friend, here I am Lord. That, for me, is what worked. You need to find what works for you. Okay, but it needs to be something that helps you to center, helps you to be able to come to this place of waiting on the Lord. Okay, we move 
into and we just rest in God's presence. If you can't still your mind to do that, you're not going to rest. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to be thinking about the next thing you need to do and you're not going to experience the fullness of it. The next is silence. Silence and solitude are, are two things that many spiritual giants, you've heard of Dallas Willard, the others, Henry Newman, they say it's the most radical and essential discipline for the Christian life. Silence and solitude. Essential for you to be able to experience um, this life that God wants us to have, which flows out of being with him. And the fourth one is scripture. Okay? Jesus told the Samaritan woman, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That's in John 4.24. And we all know that truth is tied to God's word. Okay? We need to enter into the space with our ears to hear and with our hearts ready to yield to God. So it's those four elements that are critical. You can create your own um, rhythm or your own way of doing this if you just incorporate these elements. You can be doing your own quiet time, going through a, you know, a, a passage yourself. And guys, get out of your mind that I need to have a quiet time which lasts for half an hour or I need to do this. Okay, you figure out, if you have 10 minutes that you can do, take those 10 minutes and make those 10 minutes count. Go through this time of stopping, of centering, of becoming silent and allowing a scripture to speak to your heart so that you are gazing on the beauty of God and simply being with him. Okay? We do need the longer times at weekends or at other times, but don't feel guilty because you only have 10 or 15 minutes. It's doing it regularly, okay? Having it in the morning, having it in the evening, or in your lunch break, taking out 10 minutes to go and sit somewhere, even if it's on the loo, to be with God, okay? And Neil is going to... Come and take over. Um, I know of no one else um, in the world, maybe I'm biased, but who's, who can speak about this discipline with more conviction than Nolene and who is such a great example. Amen. So I'm going to speak about a weekly rhythm of Sabbath. Um, excuse my voice, but I'm really feeling fine. It's just a bit of a... <laughs> follow on, I guess, from, from being sick earlier in the week. Okay, so we read this in Genesis 2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, in doing the work of creation for six days and then resting on the seventh, God models um, a rhythm of work and rest for his people. Okay, God created us to be workers, but also to be resters. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it much more e easy to be a worker than a rester. 
the, the busyness of life and all the responsibilities, I think we can all easily default and relate to being a worker, but I don't think we're used to being called resters. All right. Yeah, not only me. Okay, but God created us to be workers and resters to the point of actually setting it as one of the commandments or the fourth um, of the ten commandments from God is about the Sabbath. Deuteronomy 5 from verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Uh, just fast forwarding to verse 15. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Now the word Sabbath is taken from a Hebrew word, Sabbat, which simply means rest or abstaining from work. Okay, it's abstinence, abstaining from work. And God commanded his people at Mount Sinai uh, to work for six days and then to rest, to have a break from, from their normal work. Now I want to imagine that you were in Israel at that time. At Mount Sinai, uh, Moses comes down and reads out you know, the commandments. How would you feel when you heard this? Remembering that a few months before this, you had been a slave, a slave born of slaves, and who's a slave whose only value was determined by how much productive work you could do before your, your back broke and you and you fell dead pretty much, okay, and your strength failed. A slave who outside of an um, Egyptian holy day or two worked every day of the year, every day of your life from childhood until your broken body would finally be buried in the ground. How would you have heard this? What words come to mind? When God says, rest for a day. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Surprised. You know, grateful, surely. What a gift from God. You know, I don't have to work every day. God's giving me His order. He's commanding us to have rest. You know, can you imagine what a gift this was, you know, to the Israelites at the time? You know, God who claimed that Israel as His treasured possession is announcing a day, one day out of seven, will be set apart for, the, for rest. And then in verse 15, purpose is to remember God's great act of deliverance of his people out of Egypt, remembering that God rescued them out of slavery, you know, out, of, out of this horrible life, this destructive life of, of slavery and of being objects. He has made them his treasured possession and he has given this in, them the incredible gift of the law is an incredible gift, but within that, the fourth, the fourth commandment, He's giving them rest. Okay. But what does the Sabbath mean for us? And, you know, this is, this is a massive topic. You'll find different points of view. Um, but I think there are some principles, important principles for us. Firstly, we shouldn't be legalistic about the Sabbath. You know, as Jesus said in Mark 2.25, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, And, and we pick that up in the you know, the fourth commandment is that God gives us the Sabbath for our benefit. 
And yes, you know, there is a, a benefit for God in that, you know, during the Sabbath and during the daily you know, office that Nolene's <laughs> talking about, during these times we set apart, we, we build a close relationship with God. We get to love God better. We are open to God's love. But it's essentially for us. Um, now, the Jewish Sabbath begins at sundown on a Friday and ends at sundown, sunset on, on the Saturday. Now, we have freedom to choose when to observe Sabbath. You know, as Paul wrote in Romans 14, from verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Okay, so it's not a case of getting stuck on, you know, this particular day of the week. Um, under the new covenant, you know, we are not bound, you know, to do things exactly according to how the Israelites did it. Our reality is, is different. We have more freedom in Christ. But the principle is still important, that we need to set a time, an extended time of rest. And if 24 hours doesn't work for you, and I think you picked this up in how Nolene spoke about the daily office as well, you must find what works for you. Don't get guilted out if you can't put aside exactly 24 hours uh, and that you may be not perfectly consistent every week, but set aside the time you can. And these are not, you know, the 10 or 15 minute sort of daily office routines. This is an extended time of rest. Um, Nolene and I take Sabbath from a Sunday evening to a Monday evening. It obviously suits us in, in ministry, a full time in ministry. It might not work for you. you know, for most of you who work and study, uh, sometime during the weekend, maybe a Saturday or Sunday would work better. And it might not be a full 24 hours, you know, but just take what you can and, and, and try to be you know, radical and intentional about that time that you do take. You know, so practicing Sabbath is not something that we should see and get guilted out and make a religious act. Okay, we just need to do what we can to put aside a block of time. Um, I just want to share with you guys what I'm learning about Sabbath and how it's benefiting me. I must admit that I was rather slow in learning this habit. But, you know, even before we started the EHS course, probably a year or so ago, I got uh, particularly convicted about the need to rest. Um, I wasn't quite burning out, but I just found myself, I was just working, working so hard, and not just in ministry, but some consulting, and I was just getting, I was getting tired. <laughs> so, you know, God was speaking to me through my, through my body, and, you know, the anxiety that, you know, kicks in sometimes, and I just realized that I need, I need a Sabbath rest. So, uh, Nolene and I take Sabbath, you know, together from Sunday afternoon evening to Monday evening. Uh, my Sabbath starts with a bri on Sunday evening. That's our family bride, okay? And there's just something peaceful and simple about lighting a fire. I'm still old style. I don't use paraffin. I, I, you know, I, use, I use wood. I build it up slowly. It's Sabbath. I've got time, for goodness sake. You know? I, put, I, I put my brickets on. I wait. I clean the grid. And, you know, I just take, it's wonderful. I just take hours to cook, you know, and that just really helps me center down on something really simple and important. And uh, yeah, the family doesn't complain too much. We have, we have, so my, my Sabbath starts just with me and the fire. And you know, if family members come and sit and chat, you know, and talk, that's great. But it's really just my time. And I just center down and start to relax. Um, I try not to, although there are exceptions, I try not to, to do ministry stuff. 
Um, I don't think anything is so urgent that it can't wait 24 hours. Occasionally I get uh, you know, a call or an email from a potential client. I really discipline myself to just leave it. I can wait till Monday night or Tuesday morning. Um, so I'm, I'm learning. I'm certainly not there yet. Uh, for me, Sabbath, my rest is also to spend time on a bicycle. Now that might sound strange, but man, that's just so relaxing for me. Uh, you know, just being in the fresh air, thinking, praying. I love exercising. I just love being on my bike. So I make sure I find time on a Monday to cycle. Um, I also enjoy working around the house on my Sabbath, often while listening to a podcast. Um, I like painting. Uh, you know, I'm not like artistic painting, but you know, this sort of painting, roller painting. <laughs> so I have little projects around the house, different rooms that I'm getting around to. Now, I think painting for Nolene is not rest, is it? No, no. <laughs> Nolene loves gardening. Nolene can spend hours and hours in the garden. I'd love to do that too, and I might get there, but at the moment, uh, you know, Nolene sort of spends her time doing her stuff. I do spend my time. Forgot to mention that on the Monday mornings, what we do do is have an extra long time of prayer. Okay, that's it. No pressure. Try not to look at your watch. You know, just, we just pray. Okay, so that's how we start our Sabbath together. And we pretty much go our own way and we come together later. Right, so what works for you, works for you. Okay, what I've said now sound, might, might sound crazy to you, <laughs> but do something that is totally different from your normal work, from your studies, uh, from ministry if you're in ministry, uh, you know, from your, from your work, even from your retirement, from your Facebooking and from your social media, just do something, do something different, you know, that is refreshing and that brings about rest. Now, I don't believe it's a sin if we do not take a Sabbath every week, okay? I don't think we're under the law in that sense, but I do believe it is sin. I do believe it is sin if we are too busy to spend time with God. See the difference? More than anything else, God wants a relationship with us. Now, God wants it. And if we do not spend that time with God, believe me, there will be other parts of your life that quickly show, you know, that you're not living in a way that pleases God. We have to get rooted with God. We have to get centered. Amen? And I know we, we might not be used to talking like this, but let's, let's be honest that if we do not spend regular time with God, it's sin. And it's going to result in other behaviors that, that are definitely sinful. We need a Sabbath rest to draw close to God. Uh, we need a Sabbath rest to remain anchored in Christ. We need the daily routines. We need the weekly routine of Sabbath rest. And we're not talking about a specific today, but today, but we even need longer-term cycles. Nolene's a great example of this as well. Once a year, I'm sure it's three or four times a year, it seems like that, but at least once a year, Nolene goes away for a week. Okay? And that's it. She goes away for a week. I can't even think of joining her wherever she is. I try, believe me. But no, that's Nolene's week. And she's done that for years, and amen. Um, you know, God gave his people monthly, quarterly uh, festivals. You know, at regular times, there was a regular heartbeat. Stop what you're doing. Come to Jerusalem. Fellowship. Have fun. Worship me. Okay, so it was regular heartbeat. Daily, weekly, maybe quarterly. It's not exactly three monthly. And then, of course, there's the, the, the every seven years. Um, why have I forgotten the word? Jubilee. Jubilee. <laughs> okay, so there was, you know, every seven years was also a special time of celebration and rest, just breaking our routine from the way we normally do things. Okay, so 
think about that sort of longer term breaks and extended breaks that you can build into your life. Now, this, you know, Sabbath is not a, a time to just kick back and watch movies. Let me tell you, though, that part of my Sabbath is to watch a movie or a series um, on a Monday afternoon. That does, that's just part of um, my rest. Um, but I wouldn't feel comfortable about just picking out and watching movie after movie after movie on my Sabbath. <laughs> that, that wouldn't refresh me, right? So um, I think we need to be intentional about doing things that genuinely are good for us, um, you know, mentally, physically, relationally. I think increasingly I'm getting convicted of also using part of my Sabbath rest to, to do outreach projects, you know, to, to go and, and visit, you know, visit people, do, do some work, reach out to, to poor folk and vulnerable people. My danger is that I can pack my day with too much stuff. I've just got to say, you know, <laughs> I don't want my Sabbath to become work as well. But, you know, just reaching out to the poor, but also having people around, you know, working on relationships uh, can also be very, you know, very much part of, of what God wants for us. Okay, so, you know, what, what stops you from taking a weekly Sabbath? Think about that. Um, I'm going to share what stopped me from taking it. Just two things mainly. Um, firstly, I was arrogant enough to think that, you know, my company and ministry really needs me. And if I actually take some time off, you know, everything's going to come tumbling down. When I was at work, and you guys know the story, I'm sorry, I keep on telling the same stories, don't I? But you know, I had a, a, a nervous breakdown of sorts, and God you know, gave me a wake-up call, and I needed to make some changes. But even more recently, about now it's probably eight years ago or so, when I was particularly busy at work, I, I was you know, busy in, in ministry, uh, really wasn't coping, um, and God brought me to my knees. This was the one time I think I'm, I was a little bit like King David. I poured out my heart in the early hours of the morning. I couldn't sleep. I was on my knees. I cried. I said to God, take it. Take my career. This is too much. <laughs> I can't cope. And it's amazing how after that, that God just somehow made my path straight. I had a different attitude. I actually, I actually became more effective in my career, I thought, but I, you know, but I somehow had more time. It was an issue of, of trust. Okay. Um, and I think for many of us here, um, you know, when we, when we hold on and we don't want to let go and we think, you know, the world's, the world's going to stop turning, the earth's going to stop turning unless I work, um, it's arrogance and it's a lack of trust in God. And I speak from experience. Those were the, the hurdles I had to overcome. You're like, God's a whole lot bigger than me. And you know what? I actually don't have to have my phone on all the time. I don't have to respond to every email. And when a phone, when my phone rings, I don't immediately think that's the priority. 99% of the time when my phone rings, it's not important. Okay, so I think just to get into that sort of mindset is really important. But okay, I'm going to finish up here. Um, I'm going to go through these points quite quickly. Just as Nolene shared four key elements of the daily office, four key elements of a Sabbath also starts with stop. Cease from work. Cease from your normal work. And you need to understand for yourself why you don't do that. Okay, I've shared a couple of reasons. You might relate to that. There might be others. But we need, we need to cease. We need to stop. Um, and you know what is preventing you from stopping. 
but we just need to stop. We need to remember that, uh, you know, God is God, you know, and the world continues fine when we stop our work. Okay. Um, secondly, rest. Uh, we all need rest. It's how we create it. You know, we, we are not designed to just work and work and work. There are going to be consequences. I've experienced it. I know the effect it has on me mentally and physically and emotionally and relationally when I just work too hard. You know, we need rest from things like our job, our studies, um, you know, rushing around, running errands, fetching and carrying our kids to all these activities. We need rest from technology, social media, um, worry, multitasking, making decisions, ministry even. Okay, all of these things are not wrong in themselves, but if they tire us out and they take away time that we should be spending with God and God's people, then, then there's a problem. You know, we, we need to give these things up and stop doing them and just rest. And you know, as I said, what, what I find restful, the examples I used, you might not find something that you find restful. Okay, we need to rest. Then, I love this one, we need to delight. Delight in God's good creation. You know, when we slow down, um, when, we, when we slow down and make an effort to be outside in God's wonderful creation, um, we see and experience and feel God's, you know, just, just His wonderful gifts, you know, His creation, His word, relationships. We take joy and delight in God with our whole being. Engage all your senses to the extent that you can. Um, I love brine because, although it's not so good for my sinuses afterwards with the smoke, but I actually love the smell of meat cooking, don't you? I've got you all hungry, haven't I? Oh, there's just some. And I, I love the taste, you know, to, to try different spices and, and different, different types of meat and different veggies and stuff. It's just to delight in food. Now, we all want to go home and have lunch. Sorry. Yeah. But it's... You might like scented candles. It might be something you put in your home on your Sabbath that, you know, it just gives that smell and reminds you, you know, what, what this day is about. Uh, the smell of turning soil. I think Nolene loves that moist soil. Um, the sounds. I love being at the, at the, close to the ocean on our Sabbath, and we often are at the shack. Just the smell of the, the ozone off, off the ocean and the sound of the waves. You see how we can engage and should engage our senses to really experience God and benefit from, from the Sabbath. Be artistic, you know, do, do whatever you delight in. And, you know, it's ultimately God's wonderful and good creation that we, that we delight in. And it's hard to do these things if we're just busy, busy, busy. Okay, need to take our time. I mean, have fun, you know, build in some humor. Some, you know, Lena and I realize we've got to do more. We're too serious. <laughs> so, so we just introduce humor in, in your lives. Play board games. Um, you know, have fun. Delight in God's good creation. And then finally, contemplate. Um, Sabbath is a time to focus on God. Meditate on God. Remember how God has saved you and me. Okay? Remember the, the fourth commandment. You know, when God gave his people the Sabbath, commanded it, and he said, do this because I have rescued you out of slavery. So it's definitely a time to, to be grateful to God, to, to remember how God has worked and continues to work. Remembering him, remember him as, as the conquering king. 
um, you know, who, who has given us victory through the, through the cross and the empty grave, you know, our, our exodus out of the slavery of sin. Remember, remember the victory of God over, over Satan and anticipate the complete victory you know, when, when Jesus returns. Um, Sabbath is a time to, to remember and taste what God has done for us, but also to anticipate uh, what is coming when Jesus returns to fully establish God's kingdom. Okay, so, you know, just to finish off, in our high-pressure lives, Sabbath-keeping and the daily office are so countercultural, aren't they? These are countercultural habits. They don't come naturally to us. We have been programmed. The world tells us that other things are important. It's countercultural. But if we are radical and intentional to build these into the rhythm of our life, um, we'll be tuned into God's presence. Uh, we'll, be, we'll experience God's love. And we will become much more effective. We will be healthier. We will have the energy, we will have the wisdom, you know, to serve God and serve, serve God's people with, with the heart and out of the love that, you know, that he wants us to have. Just as Sabbath was um, an incredible blessing, a gift from God to his people at Mount Sinai, it's an incredible gift of God, from God to us. Amen? Um, I just want to end with this um, quote, great book if you haven't read it and you're considering digging into a really great book on God's story, the epic of, of Eden. Uh, Sandra Richter, author, writes this, in our driven workaholic world, in which we are trained to think that the only measurable value of our lives is the quantity of labor we can produce before our broken bodies are laid in the ground, our creator says the essence of the one made in the image of God is not work. Amen. Our essence is not work church. We are workers and wrestlers. Great. Thanks so much.